0: The running time for this Rain Hamcast podcast is 19 minutes 33 seconds. There is a station ID at 9 minutes 58 seconds, then 4 second pauses approximately every 3 minutes for timer resets. For the week of February 10th, 2024, this is the Rain Hamcast podcast number 108. I'm Will Rogers, K5WLR, back after several months of caring for my XYL as she recovers from cancer surgery. She is currently cancer-free. Yay! A tip of my hat to Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, for loaning his voice to this bi-weekly podcast. Good job, Kent, and mega thanks from both Hap and me for your help. It's been almost nine years since the passing of Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF, the co-founder of Amateur Radio Newsline. You old timers may remember Amateur Radio Newsline went under the name of Westlink Radio when Bill co founded it in 1977. Upon Bill's passing in 2015, his successor had already been named Karen Murray, KD2GUT, who's in her ninth year of now keeping Newsline on an even keel. Back in Karen's early days with Newsline, Reigns Hapoly, KC9RP, spoke with this spirited lady about the challenges she had ahead of her.
1: It
2: took me many years to get into ham radio. At the age of 12 or 13, I wanted to study for my novice class. I have an older brother who was a very active ham at the time, I always wondered, gee, when his buddies came over and they would close the door and go into the room with the radios and a big sign would light up outside his door that said on the air. They seemed to be having a lot of fun, and I wondered what that was all about. And then he'd get mail with all these postcards about countries we'd never been to, but he seemed to be touching a part of life that seemed inaccessible to me. So I said, you know what, I'm going to try this. Why should he have all the fun? And I studied Morse, which was a requirement at the time, and I learned Morse. And then along came the, I think it was a little blue booklet, or it was some kind of a study guide, electronics theory. And I looked at that, and as a, a 13-year-old kid not being Technically inclined at the time, I said, yeah, you know what? I think I'd rather ride horses. We won't do this. I kind of forgot about it, but came back to me about a year after Superstorm Sandy devastated much of the region here and we all felt so out of touch and disconnected. I started thinking first off about emergency preparedness and loss of power and loss of connecting to the world. Then I started realizing too that when it comes to getting information, I've always been a person who turns to radio, obviously commercial radio and public radio. I've never really been much of a TV watcher. I like the internet, but for me, radio has always been where it's at. I decided, you know, maybe I'll pick up where I left off back when I was 13, wow, have things changed. (laughs) There was no more novice class. There was no more need for code, which I still remember, and I'm I'm getting my code back anyway. And I just decided I wanted to do this. It had a fun aspect. It had an emergency preparedness aspect. And as someone who works for a living as a communicator, I felt this is the best way to communicate. It it combined everything I love. So It was a win-win for me. It was, I believe, June of 2014, I got my technician. And at that point, the guys in the club said, you know, we're going to make fun of you now till you get your general. I said, well, we'll see about that. So I studied, and a couple of weeks later, I sat for my general and got that. I'm practicing my code now. I also volunteer locally with some of the events on 2 meters and 440
1: how did the newspaper business become part of your life and
2: when? Newspaper business was a career I fell into by accident. I started out wanting to work in radio. Well, even before that, I actually started out wanting to be a comedy writer. But you don't really do much with that. You either are or you aren't. And you either go to Hollywood or you don't. It just, let's just say, that didn't, that didn't work out. That didn't seem a very practical way of planning my life, but I was absolutely certain that no matter what I did, the one thing I was sure I would never do was work for a newspaper. I remember saying that to people, I don't want to work for a newspaper, what's the point in that? And I thought what I might be doing would be advertising copywriting, which I did do for a time. I wrote and produced radio commercials for some independent small ad agencies. Newspapering happened to me in an odd way because when I graduated college with pretty much an arts and humanities background, I couldn't find work, and I ended up doing the very job I had done when I was in college during the summer, which was to work as a secretary, and one of the places I was placed was Newsday, which is the big daily newspaper here. And of course, secretaries are secretaries. They're not reporters. They're not editors. They're not writers. So I had to be content with working as a secretary. But I made friends. And I guess the old saying, it's who you know. They understood what it was I wanted to do. But they said, hey, kid, you don't have a background in this. And you don't have experience. And we're a big paper. And sorry, it's not going to happen. So the most I got to do for them was write for their in-house newsletter for the employees. I wanted them to see I was willing to do that. They couldn't say no to me on that. and I just figured I'd make myself useful in any way I could. At that point, one evening, I was taking dictation from the managing editor who... I worked for, among the group of executives I worked for, and he said to me, why do you come in here looking so miserable all the time? And I said, well, Tony, it's because I am. I'm surrounded by all of these people who are doing what I want to do. They write for a living. And I basically, the words I write are the ones that come out of your mouth. He said, well, we can't do anything to help you in this, but we happen to know there's a small newspaper upstate New York, and... They're looking for people. Why don't you go try it, see if you like it? And I went up there, and I interviewed, and I was hired. I said goodbye to my friends and moved upstate and worked there a couple of years. What happened after that was Newsday, which was then exclusively a suburban paper in Nassau and Suffolk County, started a New York City edition, and they were hiring. And they called me, and they said, we need a reporter in Queens, we need, we're hiring for covering New York City. And I thought, wow, that was quick. And next thing I know, I'm covering New York City. And that was in 1979. The city edition eventually folded. There were issues with the ownership. That was a Times Mirror paper, also owned the L.A. Times. We were taken over by Tribune eventually, too, but what they ended up doing was closing the New York City edition and I came out to the Suburban edition. Continued to be a writer-slash-reporter-slash- columnist for a couple of years and then just decided to make the leap over to copy editing, over to the editing side. The the lifestyle is a little more regulated, a little more predictable. You're not running every time the phone rings, and it just makes for a saner lifestyle. I rather like massaging other people's copy now and, you know, not having to worry about if I go out on a story, will I make it home before midnight? That's the short version of how it happened. No regrets. It just shows your life can really surprise you sometimes. You say you'll never, ever, ever do something, and it ends up becoming your livelihood.
1: Did you ever think you would become the editor of Newsline?
2: No, actually not. When I responded to the request that was put out in the spring I think it was in May when Bill Kasternak had taken ill and they were looking for help I remember sending at that point an email to Skeeter in response to the request Newsline had put out and didn't hear back right away well I figured oh they're not going to respond to me a million people must have responded and I'm a newspaper person and I'm only radio amateur for a year I mean maybe it's just not going to happen So I wrote Skeeter back a week or two later. He'd been busy. I mean, everybody's a volunteer, so he had his job, and I'm sure there were other issues going on as well, including the uncertainty about what was happening at the time with Bill. And he said, I have your information, not to worry. We're just getting everything together and trying to figure out how to go forward with this. We'll be in touch. Next thing I know, unfortunately, Phil passed away. And I heard from them, and they said that one of the last things he said to them during their conversations with him is, is that he encouraged them to bring me on board.
0: You're tuned to the February 10th, 2024 podcast of the Rain Hamcast. We'll conclude Hap's conversation he had with Amateur Radio Newsline's head honcho, Karen Murray, KD2GUT, after this station ID. I'm Will Rogers, K5WLR. We'll be right back. You're tuned to the Rain Hamcast from Chicago, available both on the therainreport.com and the Rain Report page on YouTube.
2: The sad part of it is I never got to meet the man who was responsible for my having this wonderful position with Amateur Radio Newsline. I did not know him. We did not even know of one another. Skeeter and Don brought, I guess, my resume. Well, it wasn't really a resume, but it was a, an email detailing my background. They shared it with him, and he told them to go for it, to bring me on. That was such a... A nice thing. I wish I could have had the opportunity to say thank you and then had the opportunity to work with him.
1: Are you the editor?
2: I don't know. I don't know if I have a title. (laughs) KD2GUT. Not really sure what I'm called. I'm the writer, chief writer, I guess. I've set up Several news feeds for myself with certain keywords, anything pertaining to ham radio or anything that could impact ham radio, even if it's not directly related. I set up customized news feeds so that I know what stories are coming in. We're also blessed with a really active, enthusiastic and interested listenership and they send in story ideas too via email that you can't buy that's just loyalty and they're taking ownership of this newscast as their own which is terrific and what I do every week is I sort through what we have possibly for the story budget for the week ahead research all the stories which of course we give credit when we're second sourcing things if it's not original reporting and we put it together I write it where stories need to be assigned to correspondence. I will contact someone who I think either would enjoy doing the story or has an interest in doing a story like this, and I ask them to please pursue it if they have the time. Give them the deadline so that we know what we will have for the week. By Tuesday, it starts to coalesce into a report, and sometimes on Wednesday, if circumstances change. Sometimes we pull it apart and put it back together. But by the time I hit the send key on Wednesday, usually Thursday morning, 2 a.m., I upload it to Don or Skeeter into our shared folder. It's a wrap. We have the ability on Thursday, if a story breaks, say the FCC makes a ruling of some kind that's going to affect folks, or there's a storm coming and there's an amateur radio response that we want to write about, we can break in and do a breaking news. We really don't go to production until later in the day, Thursday. It's an exciting process because it's very live, it's very responsive, and it's varied. It's everything from the serious to what we hope is the humorous or the unusual.
1: Newsline, for years, has run 20, 25, even 30 minutes each week because, as Bill used to say, there was just so much news that he just couldn't keep it to 10 minutes, like, years ago when it was called Westland Radio. How long do you feel Newsline should run?
2: I concur with what one of Bill's final directions was, which was that he wanted to see a shorter and tighter report. He was looking at 20 minutes maximum, perhaps unless there were circumstances that were extreme and warranted more than that. But I think we all agree it works well with two segments and a break in the middle. We don't go into as much depth, which is fine for radio. I think people are busy now. They want to know basically what's happening, why it affects them, is there anything they can do about it, and what to expect next. So it calls upon us to be a little more careful in how we choose our words and our facts. We've been getting some really nice responses in email from folks who say they like the new shorter version. Bill really, I think, anticipated how things were going to change and and wanted us to change with the times and with people's listening habits.
1: Do you eventually hope to actually do some of the voiceover work for Newsline, or are you content being the copywriter?
2: If the opportunity presents itself, I wouldn't say no, certainly, but my priority will always be the writing, because that's what I feel I do best and what I like. And that gives me great satisfaction to be able to tell a story and have others tell a story with those words.
1: What's the hardest Uh, part of your job with Newsline?
2: That's a great question. The hardest part is disciplining myself to know that we can't tell it all, to use judgment and pick what I think will be the most relevant, most interesting and best stories to share with our listeners to make it fun in some cases where it's appropriate so that it isn't just quote unquote boring news, which of course it isn't, but, but news often has a reputation of being very staid and very buttoned down. I think it's okay to have fun with some of the news. We did that piece about a transponder that went up in, in the figure of a little pig, porky pig or pinky pig. That's a good, serious thing. Somebody's experimenting, but hey, the guy's using a pig. Of course we're going to have a little fun with that. It's clear he already has a sense of humor or he would have just sent it up in a box. So we seize upon that to have a little fun with, all right, pinky pig, let's hope he doesn't hog the airway. We can have a little fun with that. And the challenge is knowing when enough is enough. (laughs) Knowing when to say 73, we'll be back next week.
1: Are you finding it to be more work than you thought it would be?
2: Absolutely. No question. I could probably put in less of an effort and get a little more sleep, particularly on Wednesday night. But I think we'd have less of a report. I don't think we would have a polished product. We want to give our listeners something we can be proud of and that they can be glad they took time to hear. You know, we're asking people to give up 20 minutes of their life to hear what we have to tell them, and that's a big responsibility. We want to do it the best way we can.
1: Karen, if you rub your crystal ball and look five years down the road, do you see the amateur radio news line changing in any way?
2: I think that would be dependent a lot on what happens in technology. I could certainly see perhaps the method of its delivery altering. I don't mean necessarily that we'd ever be off the repeaters because I would like to think we are radio amateurs and transmitting broadcasting is what we do, and I think it would be wrong to to be totally online. But technology is going to drive a lot of, of what the future will bring. And just as nobody could have envisioned Echo Link back when Bill started this, we can't really imagine what the future will hold for us even five or ten years from now. As far as the shape of the newscast, I think we're going to stay at 20 minutes for now. We're trying on a new fit and it seems to be working, and as long as it's working, I think we'll go with the winning formula. And if we have to tweak or adjust, our listeners will certainly let us know what they'd like, and we'll also talk among ourselves and brainstorm and think about what else we might like to do or not do in the future.
0: And that concludes Holly, KC9RP's visit with Karen Murray, KD2GUT. The driving force behind today's amateur radio newsline The Rain Hamcast Podcast Updates Biweekly We'll post number one oh nine february twenty fourth, twenty twenty four. Just a reminder that RAIN's founder Hap Holly KC nine RP edits and produces this bi weekly ham radio hamcast without monetization. Your PayPal support and feedback on the rainreport Are appreciated. Copyright 1985 2024. RAIN. The Radio Amateur Information Network. All rights reserved. Very 73 from RAIN. The Radio Amateur Information Network. I'm Will Rogers, K5WLR. Keep on hamming.